Hey folks, welcome to the Sloppy Boys Blowout. I'm Mike Hanford, sitting here with Jeff Dutton. What's up? And Tim Kalpakis. It's all about the he said, she said. Oh, <laughs> watch it, Tim. That's going to get you in trouble. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, here we are. We're <laughs> I like doing that voice. I think it's a fun voice. It's cool. Uh, thanks for uh, jumping on the show, guys. Uh, I, I host this Blowout every week. It's so nice that you guys can pop on almost every... Yeah, every every show you guys have been. Mike, uh, anytime, anytime, love to be here. I love guesting. On, it helps yeah. me get exposure, and it's not a lot of pressure. It's uh, you know, I, I have to put this whole show together, and you guys, yeah, show up and just um, chit chat. Now, did you want us to just be ourselves, or should we be doing characters? Um, do you have what would you feel more comfortable in? Do you have characters? Well, it could be funny if I was like, my name's Arnold Shit, and I I'm trying to become a life coach. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Yeah, I maybe I I would maybe do like a like a Baston accent. My name is Arnold Shit. No, I'm yeah. a, a little uh, Australian there. Yeah, a little bit. That's fine. Hey, speaking of He's which, a remember, traveler. remember when we lived up on Fredonia Drive? We had that neighbor who's like, "Nice to meet you. My name's Jarvis." And we're like, oh. <laughs> he had a straw hat, cowboy hat, and we're like, "This Jarvis Aussie guy's great." And then we we're like, "Hey, Jarvis, where are you from?" And he's like. South Carolina, <laughs> born and raised. <laughs> like, what Wait, the, what's going on with Jarvis? Jarvis is from Carolina. Okay. I don't remember Jarvis. He was, yeah, no, he was a friend of a friend, I think. Yep. He, he was a friend of some, who the hell was, why the hell was Jarvis hanging out? Well, he was a friend of a mutual. Uh, and Jeff, uh, if you want to do any characters, now's the time. Or you can just opt to be yourself. You could do Jarvis. I'm not going to do know, it. I think I think I'll do the greatest character of all. J-Man Duddy Dutz. That's true. Nice. That is the bravest character you can do. What is do to think? say, here I am. Me. Here I am, world. Okay. Oh. Vulnerable. I'm here. <laughs> I'm I'm nude to the world. And 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 what is it you have to share? It's me. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And here I am. And whether you like it or not, that's the case. Oh. And here I am. You know that. Oh. <laughs> well, we know I've that said it now. before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> <laughs> and you have nothing more to add. I would love to, but oh, I, I won't. I won't. <laughs> no, can. no, no. I refuse to. <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> well, thanks, Patrons, for uh, has showing up and hanging out. God bless you. We love the Patrons. We love you. Each and every one. Even the tip jars. Even the tip really? jars who don't hear this. Yeah. Even the big money I don't like hustlers. the fucking tip jars. They don't get to hear all, they don't get to hear the good stuff. You don't like them? Get no. the good stuff. <laughs> they give you a dollar. That's a tip jar. Um <clears throat> well, it's time I let the cat out of the bag. Today we are discussing a documentary. And a lot of people, oh, a documentary. Oh, geez, what are we gonna ru- learn about the ancient Mayan ruins? That's no fun. Right. <laughs> this is about yeah. a rock and this is a documentary about a rock and roll concert, man. <laughs> yeah, one that we remember and have and, and have thoughts and feelings concert. about. That's right, man. Yep. A, a, ti- a three days of peace, love, and rage. 
Whoa! That's right, folks. Today we're talking about the HBO documentary Music Box. It's part of the Music Box series Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. You got their little synopsis there? Yeah, baby. Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage is the first film to debut as part of Music Box, a collection of documentary films created by Bill Simmons, exploring pivotal moments in the music world. Directed by Garrett Price, the film tells the story of Woodstock 99, a music festival promoted to echo (laughs) unity and counterculture idealism of the original 1969 concert, but instead devolved into riots, looting, and sexual assaults. Woo. Folks, it's Woodstock '99. Mike, I, I love it, Mike. When I love that when you're talking, I I really feel like you're also being the authentic you, Mike, and you're really telling me something yeah. that's important to you to you, and it's coming from the from, from the heart. I should be that. more my my authentic self when I'm out and about. Hey, how are you? More like Jeff. <laughs> uh, hey, you put her there. <laughs> put her there. It's fantastic to be here. I'll take a Bud Light Lime. <laughs> That's the authentic version of yourself. Put her there. Put her there. I'd love to get to know more about you. <laughs> That's me at a party. Who do you know here? <laughs> That's a good thing. You walk in to every, walking up to everyone at a party. Who do you know here? Hey, you know me now. I gotta go. I, I took a lift. <laughs> hey, who's ride sharing these days? It's been a little tough post COVID. Anyone have any uh, fun COVID hobbies besides baking bread? <laughs> baking sourdough. Sourdough bread. Who's got a starter yeast? Okay, this show. Music box, it feels like basically what we're getting here is HBO is doing 30 for 30, but instead yeah. of sports, it's music. Yeah, and they yeah. got Bill Simmons, a sports guy. So, you know, that was the pitch. Yeah, uh, right. I'm Bill Simmons from Ringer, and I like music in addition to sports. What if we do a bunch of documentaries about music? The first one that came out, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage, it was, it's it, it, it made a little splash, got a little buzz. Yeah. And we said, we talk about the summer of soul. We talk, uh-huh. we, we watched rock docs. We got to do this. We're a damn mm-hmm. rock and roll band. We should probably cover the rock and roll docs. If we'd Tim, been doing our thing in 99, we would have been headlining. I'll tell you that much. And Tim, uh, you are from near about the original Woodstock. Are you not? You bet your ass. And this weekend I was down in Wildwood, New Jersey on the shore, riding roller coasters. And I remember mm. it very clearly. My family kind of had, made a point to get out of town for the Woodstock festivals. So my parents Ah. didn't go to the first one. I didn't go to 94 and I did not go to 99. Uh, But I remember 99 was in Rome though. You would have been out of the way. They're all, they were all far. Uh, The 69 is Bethel, which is not Woodstock. 94 is Socrates, which is close to Woodstock, but not Woodstock. And Rome is like this 99 festival is basically like in Ithaca. That's like not, anywhere near Damn. Um, Woodstock. But I remember it going down and I remember watching, I didn't do the pay-per-view thing, but I like watched normal MTV. And um, I remember the last night, I didn't know that the whole festival was kind of doomed, but I did know that about the fires in the last night. And then when I came back, um, you guys know my friend Tristan, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. he was a bit of a shutterbug back in those days and had a camera and snapped a lot of pics and he had gone to the festival and I remember coming back and he showed me, he got some big glossy printouts of like, uh, I want, I should text him and see if he still has it. He has a picture of 
the police on like on like uh, four wheelers, like ATVs, like coming directly at him. Like the Jesus. moment, the moment the SWAT team came in, he turned and got like a perfectly framed flat picture of all of them coming in. Wow, oh my God, and, that and sounds awesome. It's it's insane. And but I didn't know the backstory on like how slowly things started brewing for this festival before the riot happened. I I remember watching it, like seeing MTV when it was happening, and seeing like the moment where. Uh, or maybe it was on re- re- replay or something, but where uh, Carson, like stuff is being thrown at Carson Daly and he's like, yeah, this is it, man. This is rock and roll or something, like trying to spin that yeah. into a cool thing. Or like Kurt Loder being like, uh, okay, this is uh, like getting a little out of control. I think we're all going to leave. <laughs> yeah, I do. Re- I do remember that stuff. And it it all seemed kind of like under control via MTV. Like, I, right. You watch that on TV and you were like, oh, this is like on TV by this uh, company. And it sounded cool. Like people throwing water bottles at Carson Daly. Like I was into that when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. It was fucking crazy. Um, that Very was unsafe thing. for everyone. this, this documentary. Um, they, they make some good points and some bad points and they're kind of, they're overall, they're, they're probably kind of trying to force a Firefest movie to happen. And mm. Firefest is like more of a novelty. Firefest is just more fun because it was such a scam. Um, right. yeah. But I enjoy, I enjoyed this movie a lot, but I thought that some of the better points that they made, what, when they talked about the, the age shift in, in uh, MTV, MTV. Oh, yeah. MTV had been in the early nineties. MTV was cool as fuck. And then by the late nineties, MTV was more popular by catering to popular middle of the road acts mm-hmm. that when they became the boy band network, that, all of the angry white male teenagers were like, you gave my MTV. I think Dave Holmes says that. Like yes, we gave MTV it. to their little sisters. Yeah. And that he's is, just like, yeah, like, that's what happened. Like clearly you can look at the demographic and within a couple of years, MTV went from like cool grunge rock to five years younger and more female. And guys were and it's, pissed. I never really thought, I remember that happening. I remember MTV being like, really cool and like like have the interstitial uh animation was gross and beavis and butthead and all that shit and then i remember the trl that was full of uh, backstreet boys and stuff like that but like i never like took a step back and thought about that it just like Mm -hmm. happened so gradually i didn't notice yeah i remember reading the I i remember reading the demos when i was watching as a teenager and being like hmm this is there's definitely a shift Okay, like, so you were looking over. You were looking at the Nielsen the, the, ratings, the ratings, and, and yeah, so like, you I noticed. Let add this to the file cabinet. Okay, so did and then you walked it over to a file cabinet and put and it and put in it there. in there. Yeah. So I I had the the stuff yeah. in the file cabinet. Um, yeah, that was not the very other fun. the the other good thing that the uh, movie does is sort of puts you in the mindset of like the Y two K stuff and the Clinton impeachment was like right happening right mm-hmm. then. Yeah, that's definitely because because Kid Rock. That's fucking insane. There's a quote in this movie of Kid Rock saying, "Hey, I don't want to get political, but yeah. oh, but I but like uh, uh, Monica Lewinsky is a slut and Bill Clinton is a pimp." And everyone <laughs> uh, claps. Is like, "What the fuck? That's the one thing you say?" Yeah. What, what the fuck? It even says like, "This is how like this is as political as Kid Rock gets." Yeah, and he's like, "This is how deep as I get." Like he like he was even saying like I'm a moron. Uh, and this is how it goes. 
I didn't even know that was a stance people had. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. Like now, we're we're kind of still unpacking the Lewinsky stuff uh, these days, and and even our own cigar episode. I was quite pro- <laughs> problematic, but um, we're still kind of talking about that now. How how Lewinsky was like mistreated and and scapegoated, but it's so weird to to say that Bill is a pimp. Like like I've only heard people be puritanical about the whole thing you know, or laid back about yes, the whole thing. But what, right. a, what a ridiculous take. And also, Kid Rock is a staunch Republican who would never say a kind word about a Democrat nowadays. Right, right, right. Uh, the, the funny thing to me about this movie, or the, the interesting thing, was how even, you know, the, the dummies who, like, were causing, like, uh, sexually assaulting people and causing such, like, insane destruction and stuff were all pent up and were like realizing that they were getting like bought and sold by whatever corporation this was. Right. To me, it felt like the start of like, oh, everyone gets that they're just being like bought and sold. Like you don't have to be, yeah. right. you really because look too deep into what's going on in the world to be like, oh yeah, uh, it's all just being, it's for the taken. Because these kids were really faced with it. It's like they're bozos, they're rap rock fans mm-hmm. and they're not looking for that type of thing. But if you sell a kid in 1999, you charge them $4 for water. That was like, wild. What else, what else is he going to say? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was like, they offer a lot of theories on like who is to blame for it. And it does seem like Woodstock, the, the company or the guy, Michael Lang and his little pal, are pretty squarely to blame for um, just the setting, at least, like the environment. Like yeah. people showed up. It was too hot. It was on a military base, so they were all like on a black tarmac and the stages were too far apart. They didn't have adequate resources. And, you know, watching it, it does sort of parallel how things are going, where it's like you're romanced into society with all these promises of entertainment and music and sex and whatever else and then it's just like oh turns out the infrastructure doesn't give a fuck about you right and you can sunburn and pay four dollars for water (laughs) and be mad and then when people get pissed off, they're going to start tearing plywood apart and, and like tipping over scaffolding. Right, <laughs> like right. the PA speakers. I thought, uh, as how, how it relates to these days, uh, one thing I, I was thinking about how <clears throat> the greed that drives you to book the acts they booked, like Woodstock has a very clear theme. It's it's hippie music for, from Baby Boomers, the original. And then Woodstock 94, you know, they had Green Day and stuff, but but it, it they kept the the... They they found the middle ground between what was happening in music and the peace, love, hippie thing. And then Woodstock 99, they had a small handful of hippie acts. And I even, like somewhat recently, I've watched on YouTube, they have whole sets. So I've watched like the Rusted Root set from Woodstock 99 and the Dave Matthews Band set. And they're great. Um, and, but the, the greed in just, we're going to book the biggest acts. So we're going to have corn and limp biscuit mm-hmm. and and even though that is like a hundred percent antithetical to what the word woodstock means it reminded me of like hey i'm not gonna go on one of my whole things about uh sequels and reboots but when you make a new ghostbusters movie and it's basically just stranger things but you're calling it ghostbusters or, or you know or you're like repurp like you buy a name yeah a comic book 
but you don't you don't even make an effort to capture the spirit of that comic book. You're just using the name. That mm-hmm. Woodstock '99 felt like an early entry of that type of business, where it's just like, dude, Michael Lang can call something Woodstock '99. Right. Who cares who we book? And, and the attempts that some of the bands had, because bands gave a shit. Yeah. Most most of them. <laughs> you you know, like, uh, like when uh, Creed brought on uh, the guy from The Doors. The Doors. <laughs> that was so funny when they got to like, we brought this guy out. And Dave Holmes was just like, they don't give a shit about a guy from The Doors. They barely give a shit about Creed. <laughs> <laughs> they dust like, off yes. some old skeleton yeah. to play a few chords. And uh, I remember uh, Wyclef Jean trying to um, light his guitar on fire after uh-huh. he played like the national anthem and how just it all fell on deaf ears. Like yeah. when you think now. Well, of, as like, we, and also we also know that that was Jimi Hendrix at the Monterey Pop Festival. That was oh, not yes. Woodstock. Oh, sure, he played the national anthem, but I think he was doing a... Hendrix catch-all. Got you. Now, me and Michael saw the charred Monterey Pop guitar at the Music Museum in Seattle. Thank I was going to say, what, the Hard Rock Cafe at Citywide? <laughs> <laughs> little tip for you guys uh, out there. If you try to break the glass and play it, they're going to kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't do that. Um, what I was going to say, Tim, Tim was talking about something. To, he brought two words to my mind, uh, cash grab. There you I go. I think that's what was going on. The the thing, even like, so there's Michael Lang, and who is his little buddy? Uh, his little buddy was the worst. Yes, he his was, little buddy couldn't keep his mouth shut. He had the worst take on everything. It was like, you know, hundreds of, of women were getting assaulted. Um, well, only like ten were reported. It's like, yeah, Dude, <laughs> he we, said so we've much. We've learned shit that that's like, not what like is actually happening in these types of situations. He said and then everything. He, was, he said, like, well, you know, the, pu- putting the blame on the women for having their tops off was like, nope, that's not He also either. said earlier that, like, it was the most promiscuous festival that he'd ever been to, like, mm-hmm. for, as far as, as his own conduct. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. This <laughs> his own conduct. Oh, his own conduct. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like it. It was, uh, I don't know. I could, I could be misconstruing. I couldn't believe his... His demeanor during the press conferences, like everyone knows in a press conference, you kind of got to eat crow. But he was like being like, why don't you clean up the festival? Are you you going to get to your question? How about you solve it? Why don't you leave it alone? It it felt like an example of like two businessmen. And and like, I don't I don't buy in at all that these two were like, we're just taking the popular music of the day and making a festival for everyone to hang out. It was like we're trying to spend the least amount of money to make the most amount of money. And just like that balance didn't work out. Right? And his feeling that like that thing of you're either on the, my team or you're bad. Uh, like when he said like MTV set the tone yeah, and Kurt yeah. Loader, it's so look, I hate to speak ill of Trump. Yeah. Well, no, we but know. it was very Trumpy. Oh, for sure. Dude, you know what else was Trumpy was fucking Fred Durst. Yeah. During, mm. I couldn't believe it. Like, I feel like I had seen that stuff. Okay, I had the Woodstock 99 VHS tape. It's funny, after this entire shit show, they still made a ton of money selling CDs and tapes. Yeah. If the internet had been out, I'm convinced that this would have been more of a fired fest situation. It's mm-hmm. just that the the real experience never really yeah, got out there. It was on the news that night. Fires at Woodstock, and then the next day you just move on. And uh, but But all the shit... Um, Fred Durst was saying before they played break stuff. 
Oh, yeah, like amping them up. Sometimes you just have a bad day and you got to fucking break shit. And I feel like today's one of those days. Am I right, everybody? Yeah. And it's just like, and now when I go crazy, I want you all to go crazy. It felt like it felt like January 6th. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was just like, I'm, I'm up here. There's a fucking mob mentality. Everybody's mad. And I'm just going to generally foment everyone. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Man. Uh, the, the, the thing that I remember when it like it was happening, uh, or like the, the clips from after it happened, was Fred Durst getting off the stage and be like, well, it wasn't our fault. <laughs> like, yeah. What? That's like, it seemed like the first thing out of his mouth. That's like um, Justin Timberlake coming off stage after the wardrobe malfunction with Janet Jackson. And he's like, ha ha, we're just messing with you. We, we got to give you something crazy. And then like the next day, he's like, it was a complete accident. <laughs> oh, man. The, the like feeling dorky, that song Break Stuff. I think it's Break Stuff when he's like, you treat me like shit. You got me feeling like shit. <laughs> <laughs> God, his it's voice. very whiny. It's just one of those days. I couldn't believe. So, you know, when something sucks and everyone agrees it sucks, sometimes you revisit as an adult and you're like, I can see the value in that. Uh-huh. And and when I hit play on this movie, I kind of wanted, there's been like a resurgence in 90s stuff and I enjoy like finding ways into things I hated before. But as a 90s kid, I hated mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit. And then they've been a punchline for 20 years. And then even like on Twitter, in the last couple of weeks, you know, there's like a new selfie of Fred Durst and people are talking about it, but he's like, is he wearing a wig in that? I don't know. He has like a civil war mustache, but he's such a joke. He became a movie director and that didn't take off. And he put out, he recorded a whole kind of like goth new wave album that he chickened Mm. out of releasing. Mm. The whole world agrees that they, that Limp Bizkit was bad to the, even like the Limp Bizkit guys wouldn't push back on it. So when I hit play on this movie, a little uh, macabre part of myself wanted to kind of enjoy them. And I couldn't believe how shitty (laughs) Limp Bizkit is. Yes. And like that, (laughs) he, I was confused. I wanted to ask you guys, but like he sucks, right? He's ugly and he's not charismatic. And he feels like if you're in a high school band and you just let someone be the lead singer, yet somehow the band stayed together and they got famous, he just feels like a random guy who's fronting this band. And he is so, in that song, Breaks, <laughs> Breaks Stuff, he is so, so painfully uncool. But, th- like, isn't Wes Borland, isn't he like maybe like a respected guitar player around like gearhead circles, maybe? He's the guy who wears like the, the, Scalera lenses and yeah. like the face paint and stuff. Yeah, that's I would, the impression I mean, that I got. He he the has like a that I got. <laughs> he has like a sound. I mean, it seems like one of those things where he knows his way around like the effects and whatever. It's just so weird though because it's like that's like rap rock is is such a funny thing that like Rage Against the Machine created that sound and then also had like a Harvard political science major writing their lyrics mm-hmm. and a cool ass Zach Della Roca rapping them. And like, and it's rap rock in that, like they took the rock is the, is the power chords and the drop D punk stuff. But the rap, like they took the yeah. message of hip hop from the eighties, the, the political and mm-hmm. harsh part of it and, and use that. So it's so weird that then like all these rap rock bands just heard rage and we're like, well, we'll just do those types of riffs too. 
but we don't have anything to say about like Guantanamo Bay. Right. We're just mm-hmm. going to like say like, it's all about the he said, she said. <laughs> well, that's what somebody made the point. Like whenever white people take a, a black uh, cultures like music, they leave out the like the rhythm and bit, like the R&B and like the soul of, soul it, of it. And right, you yeah. just take the like misogyny and the aggression yeah, yeah, yeah. totally and um we, and and it's funny i felt them struggling to talk about hip-hop in this movie because you they don't want to like put out a documentary that's like admonishing rappers mm-hmm. but at the same time yeah there is there is like the the yeah the masochistic <laughs> kind of side is is uh present there too but i was just thinking of like the riffs even like tom morello is so much better than west borland am i wrong like i, I don't know I don't hear it. Um, they did a funny job in this movie. They they pinned a lot on Limp Biscuit because I think it's an easy punching bag, and like they're they're deservedly like if you're gonna sacrifice yeah. one of these bands, it's like yeah, it should it's, be. Limp it's Biscuit. an easy easy <laughs> yeah. sacrifice. Plus they had they had the corn guy like as a talking head, so they couldn't didn't go too hard on corn. And, and the corn <laughs> guy had like a sense of he had a sense of perspective. Yeah, on, on right? the whole and thing, he, and he was like. I went super hard because I looked out and it was 150,000 people or however many it was. It was like, like 400,000. So like I went half crazy a because this was like the only time I would ever do something like this. And, and he got hyperthermia and collapsed. Yeah. And and he did go hard. Like, I mean, I'm not a huge corn fan, but like... You're uh, not? You're, I'm the biggest. Blind is a ripper. I remember that from being 13 or whatever. And well, How's that go? That's the song where it's just... That's the song that he played. It was like... Oh. Uh, I've always felt like like I don't like corn, but he that that those guys it's not as hateable. Like I I get what they're who they're who they're appealing to. I think it's stupid, and I I made fun of even when I was sure thirteen. But they they are to be mocked. But I was I was surprised how how lucid uh, that guy Jonathan Davis. Yeah, I mean I've heard him in interviews before. He's a smart guy, and he he knows he's like playing a character and stuff. I um. One time I was in Big Bear and uh, I took a little uh, lake cruise, like a, a tour guide is like talking on a microphone while we rode in a boat. And then there's like a big, beautiful ski lodge all right on the lake. And, the, and he's like, that right there is the home of the lead singer of Corn. <laughs> and so he's like, it's that. like in this neighborhood, it's like Mel Blanc, like the guy that did the Bugs Bunny's voice and all these old ass Hollywood guys. Yeah. And then the Corn guy. And I was like, this Corn guy's funny. He's like, you make your living that way. And then you're just like living in a big, beautiful ski lodge yeah. on a lake. Well, that's what's so funny about those guys is like them and Limp Biscuit. like they made a ton of money because it was still money to be made in like the music industry. Yeah. For whatever's popular. Like if you're popular, you just made a bunch of like such a small window, you know? Yeah. It's, it's telling that the, the window for making money, they just happen to be the white hot thing Mm -hmm. right then on nine at 99 in 1999. Mm -hmm. And then even like the boy bands, I think have had probably more legs. Staying power. Yeah. I'm, Mm -hmm. if you went around asking people right now, even people our age, what's better? Like, yeah, those, People, people listen to shit. I would, ba- I would rather see fucking Backstreet Boys than Kid Rock. Yeah, and people, put yeah, it's like, like a better show. People like, like ironically cover in sync, and show. like there's a there's such a nostalgia for it. But everyone, you know what I was thinking is, um, my uh, freshman year college roommate was a little wrestler guy, 
And I, I remember uh, moving in <laughs> when I got to my dorm, he was, he, I just picture like a four foot tall, four foot wide. Dude, he, dude. <laughs> he was, he was great. We became friends, but he, uh, Lance, he wrestled at 129 and he was a little short guy and he normally weighed like 140 and, and he would have to lose weight to, at, for the weigh in the day before your match, he would have to weigh mm-hmm. 129. And when you're like a little dude, he was like five, two. That's so hard to... Uh, He's cutting his fingernails real short. <laughs> they like... <laughs> I remember um, like sitting and watching Conan with him and he was spitting his saliva into a cup instead of swallowing it oh, because yeah. he needed to lose saliva. And, and he was wearing a, a garbage bag so he would sweat. And then he would weigh in at 129. Then the next day he would have his wrestling match. And then that night the whole wrestling team would go like all night, Taco Bell... Pizza Hut, just like making the rounds in Ithaca, eating everything Ooh. there was. Oh, I'd, I'd, I would jerk off a bunch too. I could probably lose like 45 <laughs> milliliters. Oh my God, I lost 20 pounds. <laughs> um, but when I first met that kid, I moved into my dorm and he wasn't there. And, and I was the first one there. And then I like went out for some campus activities. And then, then I came back and he had moved in, but he wasn't there either. But his stuff was there. And I went looked at he had set up a stereo on our on our table mm-hmm. and i looked in the the six disc changer and i saw chocolate starfish and hot dog oh, flavored water no. by limp biscuit and i was not like, even three dollar bill y'all <laughs> i know <laughs> not even their their you know debut i was so sad i ended up becoming friends with them but like t- talk about what a stark thing that you're like you're not going to be best friends with this yeah, guy yeah you know? yeah totally. it was funny um throughout the documentary they follow this guy's like journal uh the guy who ends up uh, dying at the end which is pretty sad but he's he's talking about like i saw this band and this band and i saw kid rock definitely gonna get that album it made me it made me think of just like a time when you'd you'd like have to make a decision like am i gonna get this album for 20 bucks where now i'm just like oh what's that band you were just talking about Uh, yeah. yeah, I like them or don't like them. I'll, I'll fave this song so it shows up in my queue. Yes. The, the way the way that they introduced that guy, we're just like, oh, I know something bad is going to happen I to know, this guy. I, yeah. And and then he said, like, saw Jamiroquai, in parentheses, not good. I was like, well, now I don't care about this guy who's going to fucking die or whatever. Hey, watch them. <laughs> uh, you know, Jamiroquai was... Uh, I forgot. Did he did he do like a cool thing at that show? Yes, uh, he. I think he had virtual insanity at one point. Yeah, at one point they were talking <laughs> about how how much the pay per view cameras were shooting topless girls, and he like grabbed one of the camera guys and was just like, "Okay, I think we've yeah. seen enough have of the girls. Oh, Get out of the way." That was him. Yeah. Was he not wearing the Dr. Seuss hat? I no, mean, he like, wears all different. He was, hats. he was wearing like a big white uh, feather headdress. Headdress. Do, does he wear all different hats? Also, like metaphorically, figuratively. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I also gotta say Dexter Holland came off well from Offspring another dude who like not just in retrospect but on stage was like hey I'm seeing a lot of girls getting groped out there uh fucking stop stop yep that was that was uh good did there there was something funny that happened with them when they were in their like talking head he and the oh they're fat (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah But I, I hadn't seen them in a long time. And it, 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 that was just very funny to be like to, the reveal, a middle age reveal of a punk rocker is never going to not yeah. be funny to me. I they love get it. the same hair and the same sunglasses. 
So I, the guy who was with him, must, his bandmate or something, was like, oh, we played in Germany at this uh, festival ground that like Hitler built, and it was much better than this one. I was like, did you need to keep that audio <laughs> clip in there? Because after, after they say it, they're both kind of just like, man, <laughs> we probably shouldn't bring that up. I definitely laughed out loud by myself watching this when uh, Dexter Holland, he has, gives his little speech about, like, don't grope women, that's not cool. And then they go into self-esteem and he's like, ah, yeah. ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> it's such a funny way to start a song after a serious speech yeah. about sexual assault. Ugh. Man, they have been a band for so fucking long. Like, even when I think of early Offspring, I think of Smash, like the the sort the of like... biggest indie album of all time at that moment, because it was Smash? on Epitaph, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, you know, that's got like the skeleton and it looks all sort of like neon orange or whatever. Or I always thought yellow. it was an x-ray. Oh, yeah, there you go. But well, I, don't I don't know, know if it was. You know, with graphic design, it can sort of blur the line. Yeah, they can do x-ray stuff like so easily. Guys, stop. But that even that was their third fucking album. It's wow. so insane. Wow. Like, and they've they've just been a band for like, I don't know, twenty five years. Are they from San Diego, Orange County? Where are they from? I, I think his know. band. I think his bandmate was Noodles. Does that make sense? The guy um, named Noodles from, from Gorillas. Oh. <laughs> No, I don't know. I thought of, I thought I saw noodles. Up there. Speaking of speaking of noodles, how about Naked Flea playing the bass oh with my the noodle gosh. hanging out? So funny. <laughs> I remember that. That was on the tape. I, there was a bunch of this stuff. I was like, oh, I saw I saw this specific Kid Rock song, this specific Red Hot Chili Peppers song, all on my VHS of Woodstock '99. I didn't. The Chili Peppers really that that was pretty. Um, they got off light too by being like, hey, there's some fires out there. Let's play this. Let's sing play the song fi Fire. That was how it was reported. I I remember that weekend being like, the fire started and then Red Hot Chili Peppers played Fire. I remember not blaming Limp Bizkit, but feeling like more people were blaming Chili Peppers. But then I loved the foot, the Chili Peppers footage in this doc because it's a great era. The Red Hot Chili, Chili Peppers, Peppers, and just like right now, they're just like a perfectly divisive band where you could say the Red Hot Chili Peppers are great, and I agree with you, and then you could say the Red Hot Chili Peppers are ridiculous, and I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And watching the clips they showed, it's funny to think that. At the time, that felt like late era mm -hmm. Chili Peppers. Now they're, they've had 21 more years. But It's like with anything. If you're just around long enough, you, yeah. you just make so much stuff that the odds are against but you. Even though they don't show much of those guys, in, in the 10 seconds they show, it's like you hear Anthony Kiedis off pitch. And Anthony Kiedis is the worst live singer of all time. It's fucking crazy how, how consistently off pitch he is. And then you see Flea naked. <laughs> and and shredding and he's the best bass player and he rules and you're like this same band is all yeah. over the place <laughs> I, I even thought Kiedis did okay compared to like some shit I've seen he hits a big sour note in the when they cut to him but but yeah uh, it's not his worst showing uh, there's there's something I think somebody says in the documentary like the the second night where it's Limp Biscuit and they're like well. We're going to the show. It's starting to get, everyone's getting pissed off, and it's Limp Biscuit, Rage Against Machine, and Metallica. Oh, boy. <laughs> and yes. I was watching it on a, an airplane. I paused it, and I, was, I looked over the person next to me. I was like, oh, it's going to get real. Now, <laughs> and they're like, what are Mike, you watching? You're, you're a Metallica fan, right, Mike? I enjoy uh, early Metallica. 
Oh, sure. Would you say that there's no fucking band on the face of the earth like fucking Metallica? Yeah, dude? I will. I well, my tattoos pretty much say that. Uh, um, but that is a, a, a like a, a such an energetic lineup. Even yeah. even just like if you're not going to go crazy and burn everything down, that is just. Uh, I don't think I could stand there and watch those three bands in a row. I mean, it, yeah. And I would I would do it out of out of politeness because when I was running the LA Marathon. <laughs> Yeah, Zach Delaroca stood there and watched us as we were going through Silver Lake. Whoa. Yes, he had a coffee in his hand. <laughs> so he could watch me. He could watch me pour my heart and soul out, and I couldn't even stand to watch him. That's so interesting because I heard that somebody we knew saw Zach Delaroca at Go Get Timothy? Him Tiger. Uh-huh. It was coffee. me. It was me the whole time. <laughs> I saw him at Go so, Get Him Tiger. So you mean to tell me that Jeff. You saw him getting coffee at a fancy hipster coffee place. Yes. Mike, you saw him drinking coffee at a marathon. This guy is a Java junkie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, when we tried to get backstage at uh, at Bruce, uh, Springsteen that one time at the forum, we should have asked Tom Morello of uh, Della Roca's. Uh, <laughs> hey, is your former bandmate uh, and current bandmate, uh, was he a bit of a, a beanhead? Yeah. <laughs> A coffee bean junkie. You've seen him on stage. He, he needs all that energy. Yeah, he's jumping. Oh, he's all hopped up. Well, um, oh, wait, one, one quick thing about chili peppers. I, uh, I have a pet theory. Peeve. Or my, my, hot little, my hot little take is that the chili peppers are our generation's U2. Where it's like they were relevant at one time and then they've just become so stratospherically successful that they keep coming out with albums and mm. I don't know who they're for and they keep charting and it's just, I call it a rock for rock's sake. It's just sort of like, what I are we doing agree here? I agree because I, I think I, I saw like the numbers for Stadium Arcadium and like that's a huge album. Like Stadium Arcadium is oh, crazy. My successful. fucking problem with Chili Peppers is that all their albums are like five to seven to ten songs too long. And then yeah. Stadium Arcadium came out and was just like, our double album. I was like, guys, this was not, <laughs> you got to go the other way. Guys, it, guys, we talked did, about this. This movie did have me longing, though, for, hey, we're a band, right? The three of us, we shred our instruments. Sure. Guitar-based drums. Even watching the stupid acts like... It, Limp Bizkit is the dumbest fucking band on earth. And I was, like, cringing so hard at Fred Durst's performance. But I was like, it's kind of it's cool to see a drummer and a bass player and a guitar player. Like, it's live music is fun to watch. And it's kind of hard sometimes. Like, now you go to a festival... And uh, like you're, you're watching vocalist after vocalist and that can mm. be fun. But like, I still, I like watching a band even when they suck. I saw something. I popped on the Lollapalooza, uh, live thing on Hulu the other day. Mm-hmm. And it was a band called, Hmm. It was something like the dysfunctional oranges or something like that. I don't know what the <laughs> hell it was called. And you sure it wasn't an improv team? No, oh, I think it was <laughs> yeah, right. I think it was the, the messed up lemons. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Some, somebody I never heard of. And it was a guy on a guitar and a track playing. Maybe he was just kind of like on a keyboard or something. I forget what he was on, but the, the singer, this woman who was just like in this empty stage by herself. And it just looked so, uh, strange just to hear music and see one person alone by themselves on like a big huge stage with nothing no like cool backdrop or light yeah. show or anything because it was es- it was daytime still es- especially go ahead go ahead oh it just it just felt um i don't know 
because I'd never heard of them before, heard the music, I was like, what is this? This is all so foreign to me, but and it, it's, it weird. it's the thing that is to blame is the size of the audience. I think like I love to see one person play the troubadour or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you just look dumb when it's 200,000 people. Yeah. And like, I remember uh, outcast reunited to play like Coachella or one of those things. And it was like, uh, Andre 3000, I think, was bummed out by it because this, this, these massive crowds are being assaulted with like fish level, EDM level, pyrotechnics and lasers. Uh-huh. And like the shows are gigantic. That to do like lyrically focused hip hop just feels too small or like doesn't, uh-huh. doesn't feel right. And I think to, to do some of the more intimate stuff or EDM just feels like, genetically engineered to make you ecstatic and to overload your senses. And then to just be like, I'm a guy on a mic. I don't know. Like, it's just a different thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. does a great version of the solo act with a laptop is our fucking rock star friend, Chris Farron. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's got the multimedia thing. There's the, it's, it's the backdrop and it's the lights. And then he's rolling around on the floor with his guitar and he fills the stage. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I like, I like a, a cool light show. I think that's a good part of being at a live show, but when it's just uh, daytime at Lollapalooza and the act is Rough. a solo person, it's tough to, it's a tough spot to fill. Uh, I was going to say something regarding IS. I think the fact that bands are smaller is a money thing because you're not artists aren't getting paid as much because there's not money to be made in albums as much because of the file sharing and all this that stuff. So you just yeah. make your band smaller. So not maybe not consciously, but just like it happens that way. It's easier to do it by yourself, and I do think it it's makes it worthwhile. Um, David Byrne has that amazing book, uh, How Music Works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the chapters he like talks through that very thing where he's just like. When I'm like writing my album, I'm like thinking about the tour. And then when I'm thinking about the tour, it's like sometimes the concept is big and I'm going to have to bring a big band on the road mm-hmm. and I'm not going to make money and I do it. Other times, if I don't need that big band, I don't bring them and I write the songs to be slimmed down and then I make money on the tour. And it's, it is a consideration that yep. uh, because he's such like a art school guy, he lets it inform the writing, you know, and mm-hmm. everything. Smart. I remember uh, Dickie Barrett from the Mighty Mighty Boston's was being interviewed and they were like, you've been busy. Like you guys don't stop touring. And he was like, well, I got eight mouths to feed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's true. It's great. Including one that doesn't sing or play an instrument. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, 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 right. I wanted to ask you guys about, um, I had never really thought about this before, but the main, my main like uh, quandary during this movie was their use of the word new metal NU. Yeah. Metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about the new metal bands and they sort of used it in to refer to. Uh, and, and I looked this up today and so I'm wrong and they're right. But I was a little confused that like I would have thought of rap rock. I would have thought yes. of like Rage Against the Machine. And any time you have like a riff with a rapper on top, I thought that was one type of music that started in the early 90s and then carried through the late 90s. And then new metal, 
I think of as more almost into the early 2000s. I'm thinking not Incubus. rappy, but but like um, P.O.D. Puddle of Mud, Disturbed, okay. Godsmack, maybe even uh, C.K.Y. Bernadette near Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and then and then maybe the, <laughs> the most successful acts like the big the big ones being like Linkin Park and Evanescence, where it's oh, like okay. this dramatic metal, yes, that you're singing over. Yep. Um, but in this documentary, they were talking about Corn and Rage and Limp Bizkit as new metal. Did did you guys? Do you get, is that how you guys use that term? I I would call I think of new metal as like a disparaging sort of term, like emo. You know what right. I mean? So I would like no call, one ever self-applied it. Yeah, like uh, so I would not call rage new metal, even though it's sonically very similar to corn uh, and Limp Bizkit. But like, and, what could uh, be better to describe rage than rap rock? It's rock yes. with rap. Yes, you know, it's like, true. Hmm. Huh. Um. Well. I was trying to think new metal beat like what you're saying about the, the word being hateable. I was trying to think like, what's the version that I like. And I could think of, uh, the, the main song. I was like, I think this is the most new metal song that was ever a song I liked. And I gave it to you, daddy. Uh, this is a, uh, I forget what even what it's called, but it's a, there's a Deftones song that was on the Tony Hawk game. Yes. Deftones it's called is a band. I just don't know. Who, I know that they are a band. And I know they got a cool album cover with like a, a pony on the front of it. I, I was not like a fan. I, I This is the album that has like a girl in a bikini and it's looking down on her. And I, I wouldn't, I'm not like, people respect them, but I, I was never into the yeah. band. But this one song, um, when I was like thinking about the difference of like rap rock and new metal, this typifies to me like the closest I ever came to liking new metal and also just like what new metal sounds like to me because he's sure. singing, he's singing over metal. Yeah, this is Be Quiet and Drive, parentheses, Far Away by Deftones. Very new metal to start even like this with just like a distant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do you guys remember this? Yeah. It's reminding me of another. uh, It sounds like an incubus. Like this chord right here, that sort of droning, sort of sour chord. Yeah. Well, even just having those two chords and then it's like chords you kind of came up with. Like your hand is way up the neck and you're leaving one empty string and then playing two or three closed strings. It's reminding me of um, There Goes My Hero. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a little bit of Everlong. Yeah. Um, Deftones are respected. Uh, Is this their like, is this their like hit? This this had a lot of views on Spotify, but they have bigger songs for sure. They have oh. bigger songs than this. I can't think of also, like, I don't know where you put, like, a band like Tool, even. Uh, Tool's doing their own thing. I would say Tool is industrial with nine yeah, inch you're right. Yeah, you're right. But, but this vocal performance is very Tool. Uh, very melodic vocals, though. Like, um, he's not being, like... I got a chainsaw. I'll skin your ass raw. <laughs> it is a such a funny dog. tone, like saying hardcore stuff and being like, okay. Man, Limp Bizkit, like I'm, I'm like almost jealous with the success that they've had writing songs that are just like disconnected catchphrases. Oh they, my God. There's just like, yeah, yeah. 
The war, Dude, they did so much with so little. That album is called Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored <laughs> Water. That's humiliating. There was, remember they did a, they did a, a fa- um, George Michael's Faith, where he's like, oh. <laughs> Oh, by the, like, look, yet another one of these bands or acts that hits with a cover. Mm. Yeah. Like, um, he had a, a huge hit with uh, The Who's Behind Blue Eyes. Wait, who did? Oh, yeah. Uh, Biscuit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No one knows what it's like to be Fred Durst. Okay. I'm the worst. <laughs> My hat's backwards. Pretty good. Oh, I just had a new metal vision, which was Fred Durst sitting on some stairs on a stage with the guy from what band is like, cause I'm on the outside and I'm looking Creed? in who Creed. It's like maybe X stained stained. Yes. <laughs> stained. stained. That's new metal. It's singy and it's droney. Mm. I will say I I have one Limp Bizkit song that I like, and it's the re, it's the f- Neptune's remix of "End Together Now," and it's the song with Method Man on it, and it's just that early nerd production with yeah. Meth. And, yeah, that's uh, cheating if it's a know. Neptune's remix. Agreed. There was a new metal song I like. Not I didn't like the whole band, but in the early two thousands, Dead Zone of Music. There's a band called Chef- Chevelle. Yeah, I, I had, I had some band. Chevelle. Their big songs. hit that I was not into was Slay Down. Uh. <laughs> but a song that when I was washing dishes at my dad's restaurant, there was a song that was like, <laughs> like much like suffocating. I remember and, that. And oh. it had the same kind of droney chords as that Deftones song, that kind of open chord thing. Much like suffocating. <laughs> That's good shit. <laughs> yeah, that is good shit. And you know what's another lost song that I love is, um, you know, AWOL Nation who sings Sail? Uh-huh. Yeah. I was getting my hair cut one time and they have a song that's like, uh, I, heard, <laughs> I heard during my haircut. It was like, Annie, what's your problem with me? It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And it's kind of new metal, but it's a little emo. And, and I got to find that song. <laughs> it's not your fault. Slopheads, tweet me, baby. Yeah, I have a soft spot for some songs from that era, but I'm happy looking through my iTunes. I I have that one Limp Biscuit song, zero Kid Rock songs, four Corn songs. I'm happy oh, to have did. a new metal blind spot. You know what Kid, uh, Kid Rock song I like is uh, Pictures that he does with Sheryl Crow. It's about uh, this couple that's well, kind of they're in love, but boy, they're falling apart. Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I I'm put your picture away. It's a tough. It's a tough. It's a tough. I kind of like that song where he's like, "I'm a cowboy, baby." <laughs> <laughs> I liked it when uh, when featured Kid in Rock's Shanghai band. Nights or Shanghai News. When, <laughs> when Kids Rock, when Kid Rock was playing, somebody was uh, maybe yeah, Dave Holmes. Like he was played like, all the instruments. Yeah, was it that <laughs> well, part? That was funny too. But uh, when Dave Holmes was like, there was a time in uh, music where there was a. A rock band had a DJ, and I don't know why they were there, but uh, they every once in a while would go, wicked, wicked, wicked. <laughs> like, yeah. They did that. <laughs> we do that on college night. We got a little uh, DJ scratch. Yeah. Yeah, but that's cool. Yeah, that's cool as fuck. <laughs> uh, and we switched instruments, too. Like, 
Kid Rock, like they showed him playing guitar and drums and Kid Rock is exactly DJing our talent stuff. level. That, it's it's easy to switch. Instruments. It's funny to be mediocre at several instruments. <laughs> I was listening to a little uh, Limp Biscuit today, Limp Bizkit. and I noticed that direct. Um, I I I there's there's a song that starts with being like check 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 out check it out or whatever, and I was like oh, there was a failed never picked up Bob Odenkirk sketch pilot called <laughs> yeah. next yes. that, that, that made one hit video on YouTube. Check out the title deed. Check yeah. The title and, deed. Yeah. <laughs> Bob's dad rap sketch. Check, check, check out the title deed is a direct parody of a Fred Durst line that I heard today on last oh one. Oh my God. Check out the title deed. Bob was listening to Limp Biscuit back. Then. Oh yeah. He was huge into it, dude. Well, Woodstock 99. If you go into it thinking what I thought, uh, that it was just going to be a documentary about all Wayne Gretzky's favorite bands. Well, that ain't happening. Yeah. Okay. 99, because that's Gretzky's number. Yeah. Woodstock band. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I started watching it thinking, is this going to be Snoopy's friend's favorite number of flaps? Hmm. 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 Wing flaps. Well, yeah, we, we were both wrong. <laughs> we were both yeah. wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's a good documentary just for one of those things. Like, oh yeah, that was a crazy time and a crazy event that sucked, and uh, everyone did it wrong and everything. So, the thing that got me when they w- they like show the showering situation. Oh, what was Oof. like that was uh, disgusting. Like, talk about just like doing everything the bare minimum to make the most amount of money. It was just like a little tent and like that. You know, I remember people throwing mud and being like, oh, shit, there's crazy. There's mud everywhere. And then when you find out that, like, half that mud is shit. Yeah, that it's was gross. just Couldn't you sewage. smell that? Like, couldn't? Well, you're forgetting that a lot of people are fecal freaks. Yeah, that's true. Well, out of, out of what are you said, 400,000 people were there? So, well, yeah. think of it this way. The stats? Um, it averages how out. many? Uh, if, if three out of four people are fecal freaks, that means 300,000 <laughs> fecal freaks were there. So, that's, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Three out of four. <laughs> four out of four. Folks, we did all we could on <laughs> Woodstock 99. Check it I'm out. Gonna keep, I'm going to keep watching Music Box. This is fun. Yeah, Music Much Box like is Pop fun. on, on, on uh, Netflix. We've got some music shows to watch. I love they it. they got some cool ones. They've got uh, one about Juice World, one about Kenny G coming up. Uh, hey, Interesting. I'll watch. Interesting. I'll watch. Yeah. Uh, I do kind of wish that they showed, I mean, I got quickly that this isn't going to be like Summer of Soul where we're going to be spending time with the acts, but I did kind of want to see more time capsule performances. Well, do what your little friend Tim did and go on YouTube. It's all on the, YouTube. You can watch Rusted Root play for an hour. They're fantastic. That's a good band. Yeah, I'm going to check out Jumiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Promise me you'll wait until after you've watched Rusted Root. Okay, fine. I'm going to watch Metallica, my favorite band. Um, I love, I'm, I'm no Metallica fan, but I mean, uh, I mean, I don't dislike them. They're great, but they're not my thing. But I did love when James Hetfield was like, we're Metallica and this is what we do best. And like, yeah. what a cool, what a cool <laughs> yeah. thing to say in front of 400,000 people. Like, we're meant to be here. Like, the corn guy's nervous and Fred Durst is nervous, but this yeah. is what we do best. That's yeah. so cool. Um, and then, oh, okay, w- real quick, one guy who did not come off cool, 
was uh, Moby when he was talking about how his name wasn't on the plywood. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, so like, if you were the editor, Moby had a lot of good points as the thing went along. Know, but like, the you, really, like, you really put him up against the eight ball with that fucking opening yeah. thing. He's like, you know, I don't like, I don't like Moby. I'm going to keep this in. <laughs> like, by the way, don't forget, this guy who's making good points, he's also a whiny little piece of shit. Yes, he is a fucking <laughs> little um, turd. I like, wait, what was I going to say about what you were talking about Metallica? This is what we do best. This is what we do best. Hmm. Metallica. Okay. (laughs) What do they do? There was a place to me. Oh, Dave Mustaine. Uh, Also, they like, they, they wrenched in like a Napster thing, which I guess you do because it's like, it's the nineties. That's when it's happening. But uh, when Dave Mustaine is talking about Lars Ulrich, Ulrich. Ulrich? Ulrich. Ulrich. And he's like, hmm, doesn't he have enough money? Oh, uh, he's like, I know. I want, it's like, I want to say, and you guys want me to say what I want to say. Yeah, like the director <laughs> wants me to say, but I don't want to say. That was great. Yeah. All right, folks. That's all we got for today. We love you. Yeah. Stay safe. Bye, folks. Rock on and rock out. Thanks for subscribing, everybody. And hey, to you guys, great blowout. Yeah, great blowout, yeah. but by us and a great blowout by the listeners. Mm-hmm. And everyone, we all behaved. Part. It wasn't any of this Woodstock '99 bullshit. Yeah, you know. To Lou, folks. Goodbye. <laughs>